And welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast. I'm Roxanne Varza, and I'm here with Tech.eu editor Robin Waters. Hi, Robin. Hey, Roxy. So we are back with our last podcast of 2016 and another great lineup of topics, including quite a few acquisitions involving the UK, Belgium, Germany, and Finland-based startups. We had a lot of round of fundings as usual, so we will focus this week on Germany's HelloFresh, Israel's Loomis, Finland's Vizedo, and Denmark's Cardley. Robin, you had a chance to catch up with James Clark from the London Stock Exchange, so we'll have a listen to that. And we will close it with a startup feature, our last one of this year, which is on UK-based Babylon Health. But before we get started, maybe a quick word about Mobile Sunday. Robin, what is Mobile Sunday and why should our listeners care about it? (laughs) Good question. So Mobile Sunday is essentially uh, an event that's actually been around for quite a while. It was organized by a friend of mine called Rudy De Waale, a fellow Belgian, for a number of years. Uh, It's basically a networking event on the evening before the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. So this year, that's, oh, sorry, next year, 2017, we're not there yet. Um, Next year, it's going to be on 26 February. So obviously, that's a Sunday. So we are co-organizing this event. Uh, We did it this year as well in 2016. We did it together with Rudy for the first time, and it went really well. So it's like half a conference, half networking event. Uh, it's really fun. It's in a beautiful location. Uh, we had some some really really good speakers this year. Um, you know, the CTO of Amazon. We had um, Ben from from Andreessen Horowitz. Um, we have people from Stripe and Facebook, and you know, a number of other companies. Uh, Twitter um, also had a, an executive from from EMEA there. Um, so essentially, really good content, really good networking. 26 February, save the date. It's a really cheap event, and a lot of people are in town anyway for Mobile World Congress and four years from now. Uh, and this is the best way to kick it off the week. And, you know, speaking of Spain, it's not just Barcelona. We're also going to Madrid. Um, well, I'm going to Madrid on the 8th of January. And we're organizing a small meetup there as well, which you can find more information about on, on TechU. Super. Yeah. I think our listeners should definitely go and find you at those events. But now there were a ton of acquisitions this past week. They concern startups in the UK, Belgium, Germany, and Finland. So let's jump right in with UK app developers Brainbow getting acquired by book publisher Hachette Livre, which it totally seems random. I didn't know Hachette cared about tech. Robin, did you know that they cared about tech? (laughs) Well, I don't know if they care about tech, but it's definitely the first time I've seen Hachette mentioned in the context of a startup acquisition. So let's call it a good start. It sounds like a good start. Uh, The book publisher has acquired a majority stake in Brainbow, who are the makers of a cognitive skills and brain training app called Peak. The company was founded in 2012 and released the app in 2014. I guess since then, Peak has been downloaded 15 million times, according to the company. So that's not too bad for their little app. This acquisition should boost their international expansion, and they're also planning to come out with more games in the future. The terms of the deal were undisclosed, but Brainbow will remain based in London and operate its team of 35 people independently. Yep. Bit of Belgian pride there as well. Uh, one of the co-founders, well, at least one of the co-founders that I know is, is a Belgian guy um, doing it out of London. So Belgian pride. And the other thing about Brainbow is I think it's a really, really cool name, Brainbow. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so next we have uh, Panasonic. Again, something about Belgium doesn't really happen that often, so, so I'm always very, very happy that it does. Panasonic acquired the majority stake in the Belgian company. They announced it today. Well, we're recording on Friday. It's a company called Zetas. Um, they acquired the majority stake for almost 150 million euros. Um, so Zetas, uh, for anyone who doesn't know the company, and I live in Belgium, and I'm actually not that familiar with the company. It's a, a supply chain and mobility solutions company. They employ more than a thousand people across 21 countries. So they've been around for a while. Um, it's not a hot, cool, sexy startup at all. It's a pretty old company in that, in that sense. Um, so Japanese uh, Panasonic will first acquire Almost 51% of the company, uh, there was also an agreement in place to acquire the remaining shares uh, from shareholders for about um, 54.5 uh, euro per share. Um, so and this is an acquisition that should be finalized in the second quarter of next year. That's 2017. Nice for the Belgian pride. Next, we have Amsterdam's Takeaway.com that has acquired the Belgian and German operations of Resto Inn. I feel like Belgium is in every single one of these acquisitions this week. Resto Inn is a rather small player in the food delivery space with operations in Germany and Belgium. Obviously, this acquisition will help strengthen Takeaways.com's presence in these two markets. They are already present in the Netherlands, Poland, Austria, Switzerland, France, Luxembourg, Portugal, and oddly, Vietnam. The terms of the deal were not disclosed, but Resto Inn's 10 employees will be joining the Takeaway.com team, so it sounds like a relatively small acquisition. We also covered Takeaway.com's IPO earlier on the podcast, which listeners may remember was valued at 1 billion euros. Yep, I looked it up um, just before we started recording. Uh, There's still around a billion euros in market cap right now. So that's a unicorn, I guess you could call it. And then finally, we had a Finnish company called Rightware. So this one was acquired by a Chinese company called Thundersoft. Uh, for about 64 million euros. And after Panasonic's interest in Belgium, this is actually the second acquisition this week that we're covering uh, that shows an interest for European startups uh, for from Asian companies. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the years to come. Um, now, Rightware is a company, if you don't know, they develop automotive software. Um, Kanzi is probably their, their most well-known product, um, which is used to enhance the driving experience through data-driven uh, real-time uh, graphic solutions that make you know, great-looking branded user interfaces. Um, Thundersoft, the buyer, on the other hand, uh, they're a Beijing-based company. Um, they specialize in automotive, mobile, and IoT, so you can see the fit. This deal marks Thundersoft's first international acquisition and their entrance into the European market. And Rightware CEO um, said in an interview he's expecting to have Kanzi, uh, so their flagship solution, uh, in 25 million cars by 2022. And obviously, Thundersoft's reach is going to help them reach that goal. Yeah, it was a pretty good week for acquisitions. A very good week for Belgian acquisitions. (laughs) So now for funding. As usual, we had loads of funding rounds, but we've decided to highlight Germany's HelloFresh, Israel's Loomis, Finland's Viseto, and Denmark's Cardlay. So first up, German meal delivery service and rocket internet-backed HelloFresh bagged another 85 million euros from an unnamed investor and previous investor Bailey Gifford. The company has previously raised 270 million euros to date, but according to German media, it has been making a loss this year due to the company's launch in the U.S. Rocket Internet has also reduced its stake from 56 to 53 percent, though the deal values this company at 2 billion euros with an apparent IPO in its near future. Yep, keen. Uh, well, um, techie readers might remember we're keen on following HelloFresh's IPO. They've uh, sort of announced it and then pulled it. 
Um, so it's been delayed. Uh, we've interviewed the CEO once. It's up on TechU as well, if you, if you look for it. So this is a company that we've been watching for a while. So I hope they finally IPO in 2017 so we can stop waiting for them. <laughs> so next up, uh, in terms of funding rounds, we have uh, an Israeli startup, very interesting one called Loomis. Um, they raised $45 million for augmented reality glasses that they're developing. Uh, this is a company Series C round. Uh, includes primarily Asia-based investors. There we go again. Taiwan-based quanta computers in there, um, HTC, which is obviously also a developer of, uh, of uh, VR uh, goggles. Um, and then we have Shanghai-based uh, Shanda Group and Crystal Optech. So lots of investors from Asia. Uh, Lumos builds uh, smart glasses that can basically be used to you know, check email, search the internet, uh, and more. It has a micro-projector and motion detective technology, proprietary. But unlike other attempts at smart glasses, this model has a rather... Uh, inconspicuous normal look. Um, the funding should help the company continue to scale up uh, research and development. Uh, they're looking at creating augmented and mixed reality applications, as they call it, uh, for consumer electronics and smart eyeglasses. So definitely um, yeah, worth watching that one. I have to say, I never thought I would see like smart glasses look cool. And these ones actually look really cool. So kudos to them. Um, but now we have Finnish Vizato that has raised 20 million euros for its electric powertrain systems. This is a company that specializes in electric powertrains and components. They manufacture high-performance systems for commercial vehicles, heavy-duty machinery, and machine vessels, so like very heavy tech. This round of funding was raised primarily from Finnish-based outlets, including Emerald Technology Ventures, VNT Management, Finnish Industry Investment, Green Campus Innovations, and Vizato employees as well. Vizato currently operates in Finland and the Netherlands and has clients in 19 countries. Asia is currently their fastest growing market, and the company plans to open its next office in Hong Kong. Yep, and then finally, uh, we have a Danish startup uh, based in Odense, of all places. Startup's uh, name is Cardlay. Um, they announced a 4 million round of funding this week. This is a fintech startup. They provide a single platform to issue, load, and manage cards and expenses globally. Um, according to the startup, the platform automates about 50% of handling resources along with process management features like you know, expense and travel management, financial forecasting, uh, and more. So from, from what I understand uh, reading up on the company, they actually, they're not the kind of fintech startup that wants to disrupt banks. Rather, they're... Um, making it easier for banks to deal with up-and-coming fintech companies that, that might be able to disrupt them. So slightly different angle there. The amount of the deal, uh, the funding round that they announced is public, but the names of the investors have not been disclosed, which is sort of unusual, uh, especially in, in the Nordics. I agree with you on that one, but definitely a company that we should keep our eye on. Now, Robin, you had a chance to catch up with James Clark from the London Stock Exchange. Hey, this is Robin from TechU. I'm here in London. I'm here with James Clark from the London Stock Exchange. Hi, James. What do you do? Hey there, Robin. Uh, so I work at the London Stock Exchange. My role is primarily in business development, where I focus on tech and life science companies. And what that means is I speak to companies who might be thinking about what their future fundraising uh, opportunities and needs look like. And I talk to them about how the stock exchange can play a part of that. All right. How has your year been? How was 2016 for LSE? 2016 has actually been really exciting. I mean, you know, we had sort of some interesting market conditions to try and deal with, but the markets have been you know, surprisingly resilient. Uh, we've seen some really solid companies come to market, both on the, the larger end of the market, but also really particularly around the AIM market where uh, tech companies and biotech companies that I focus on uh, have had you know, a really impressive year. And I think if you, if you look at the companies that have done well, especially from the tech side of things, we're talking... 
what would be considered a small cap. So a company of say like a $30 million up to a $250 million valuation, they tend to be SaaS based companies and they tend to be companies that have a strong B2B aspect to what they do. It's been a really interesting year for those businesses. You mentioned AIM. Um, can you briefly explain how AIM is different from the main LC market? Sure. So the AIM market or the alternative investment market was created to allow small cap companies uh, the ability to get into a public market with a regulatory framework that is more suitable for small cap companies. So for example, you don't have the regulatory uh, compliance that a $10 billion company would have if you're a $10 million company. It's designed to provide growth stage companies the ability to focus on growing their companies with the right amount of regulatory oversight through uh, the structures that are involved and allows these companies to work with those structures, but to still be able to focus on their growth without uh, sort of getting too heavily into compliance. How big does a company or how fast uh, do they need to be growing for you to be interesting um, partners to talk with? So I think the interesting thing about the way the public market works compared to, say, the VC market is if, uh, if you're you know, growing at 20 to 30% a month, then the VC is going to be interested in you. If you're growing at 20, 30% a year, then that starts to become a bit of a challenge for a VC because it can be difficult to justify their investment. Whereas a 20 to 30% growth on a public market is seen as something that's actually really favorable because the public markets values the sustained growth over a period of time. So that's the growth profile. If you look at company size, now theoretically you can get onto the public market at any size, but generally speaking, we like to see companies, especially on AIM, that have grown to a certain stage where they've de-risked an aspect of what their business is doing. And that tends to happen when companies are scaling from a from a from probably about a C round and above. So if you're, actually you can go down to the B round. So if your company is valued at say 20 million and above, if you're doing revenues of above 5 million a year, then that becomes a really interesting opportunity for you on the AIM market. Great, thank you. Um, we were talking about this year, of course, in the middle of this year, there was something quite significant, significant especially uh, for the UK, uh, the Brexit vote. Has that in any way impacted or had an effect on your work or LSE in general? Well, it's of course, it's going to have an impact. I think the interesting thing was you know, everybody had the expectations of what would happen before Brexit and took a lot of us by surprise. Um, we did a lot of work in the immediate aftermath of Brexit to go out and meet a lot of uh, CEOs, a lot of investors, a lot of the companies we talked to on a regular basis just to take a, a pulse of how they were feeling. And um, what was interesting was that a lot of the companies that we talked to, especially the sort of the, the more growth stage ones, uh, were actually pretty excited. You know, they saw that kind of uncertainty about the future as an opportunity. And in many cases for them, they either would you know, put their heads down and get on with it or they sort of as, as a great opportunity. And I think that kind of mindset was helpful because in a time of that kind of you know, overall you know, market uncertainty, the, the best thing for you to do as a founder or as a management team is to really focus on your business because that's what you can control. So double down and focus on the business, go out and treat your customers well, win new customers, you know, be aggressive and try and grow the business. And we did a lot of those conversations the immediate aftermath of Brexit. Now, the market performance itself was kind of interesting. You know, we saw companies that IPO'd had IPO'd already, there was a sharp drop off in value, but that popped back up within about a week. And actually, the markets have continued to grow quite strongly. Part of it is to do with the you know, devaluation of the pound. But actually, a lot of it is because the businesses we primarily talk to have international flows of, re of revenues. And so therefore, those aren't necessarily restricted to what's happening in the UK market. They're affected by what's happening around the world. And so therefore, these companies did quite well in the second half of the year, quite unexpectedly so. 
Um, the market for new IPOs uh, was sort of obviously took took a bit of a pause straight after Brexit, but it came back in. Um, it came back in reasonably strongly from the from the autumn onwards, and especially in the last couple of months, we've seen a lot of uh, tech and biotech companies coming onto the market. Had about two or three in the last week. I've got another one uh, that's IPOing on Monday. I had one that was last that, that IPOed a couple of days ago. There's a lot of activity in the market just leading up to Christmas at the moment. Great. So, what can we expect for 2017? To the degree that you can actually discuss that, but um, do you think we'll see more European tech IPOs? Do you think the the frequency of deals that you're seeing in the last few weeks is going to continue? I think uh, so. So, to sort of to, to the original part, it, it, it's it's difficult for me to, to to predict the future and to talk about the future because there's an aspect of what we do where we can't actually predict the future. We're we're, we're a market. We're regulated in you know, part of that market. However. Um, I think one of the interesting things that we were involved in this year was uh, to work with Atomico on their State of European uh, Tech Report. And I think if you look at how the market has changed in Europe in the last five years in terms of the growth of venture, the growth of growth stage companies, the increase in the number of VCs out there, the growth of tech itself, um, I think that we're, you know, the, the, the market is building itself to a point where the quality of those companies are going to start coming to market sooner or later. And we obviously, we speak to a lot of companies in the course of what we do. And, you know, it may be early 2017, it might be a bit later, but there's a lot of interesting companies to come to market because the structure around uh, late stage funding is starting to change. And at that point, uh, a public listing and the source of capital it can provide becomes a very interesting option to those companies who hitherto have been going, you know, almost directly to the private markets to raise money. So I think if we look at where things can go in 2017, I think that the the the, the fundamentals around European tech are really strong. I think that there's a lot of growth to come. There's a lot of really interesting technology out there. I mean, we've seen interesting IPOs from Merseyside, we've seen companies become, yeah, we had a, a company list, a type of security company list from Bradford uh, earlier in the week. There's lots of companies around Europe and the UK. I think there's lots of interesting investment going on around the UK. I think that at a certain point in a, the life of, its, uh, life of a company, they get to a point where they want to think about a listing. And obviously, we, we hope that London is part of that consideration set because, you know, the fundamentals around a London listing are really strong. The orthodoxy of where you can get better valuations isn't what we, we think it is when you look at the data. And so when I talk to companies, I say, look, let's look at the data and let's make a decision based on that. And it can actually change a few people's minds. Great. Well, we'll see what happens in 2017. We'll be watching. Thank you, James. Thank you, Robin. Have a good afternoon. And finally, our last startup feature of this year, but a great one nonetheless. So we've decided to highlight UK-based Babylon Health. The company was founded in London in 2013, and they currently count 300 employees. They are striving to radically change the way we approach health, especially doctor-patient relationships. So this company positions itself as an artificial intelligence company that aims to transform what they call sick care to actual health care down the line. So speaking of AI, this is arguably Europe's most famous entrepreneurs in that field, the founders of DeepMind are among the investors in Babylon Health. That's correct. Um, so the London company announced a, a $25 million uh, round almost a year ago. Babylon Health is not just focused on the UK. In fact, they're currently working with the Rwandan uh, government to provide a digital national healthcare service via its platform. Apparently, I didn't know this, but in Rwanda, apparently there's a huge gap between the overall population, which is about roughly 12 million people, 
and the number of doctors, which actually in the, is in the hundreds rather than thousands. So you can see uh, that there's a huge disconnect there and uh, Babylon is trying to solve that. So in summary, this is a really interesting company to watch and they're poised to make significant strides in 2017. So we'll be keeping eyes on them so you don't have to. Um, that's it for this week, folks, and for 2016 for that matter. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope that you will continue to do so in the new year. Please subscribe if you haven't already and tell all your friends about it. Roxanne and I really want to take this opportunity as well to wish you the very best end of year holidays ever uh, and a great start to 2017. And Roxy, also to you, uh, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you as well, my friend. Thank you, Robin. You too. Bye. Bye.